Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of my podcast Explore and Engage with Anand. In this podcast, I discuss many social and political issues, domestic and international. I talk about things that are happening in my home state of Wisconsin, and I also discuss things that are happening around the country and around the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to my podcast. I really appreciate that. And if you have not checked out my website yet, please do so. My website is tossifanam.net. You will find lots of information about me, my blog, and also you will find links to my published opinions. I have written many letters to editors and op-eds, and if you want to read those articles, then you can check out the links that are available on my website. So please visit tossifanam.net and stay connected with me. Let me talk about presidential election that's coming up in November 2024. And as I have said before, it may seem that November 2024 is far away, but it's really not because time goes by very quickly. And right now, there are lots of anticipation, speculation. People are trying to make predictions about who will be running for the office of the president and who will not be running for the office of the president. And different names are coming up. Different names are um, being discussed. And it seems that in the weeks and months ahead, there will be lots of updates. So the update that I have right now that I want to talk about is that United States Senator Tim Scott has announced a presidential exploratory committee. Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, political analysts were talking about him for a while. Uh, I have heard discussion about whether or not Senator Tim Scott is going to run for the office of the president. And officially, Senator Tim Scott has still not announced his candidacy, but the fact that he has announced a presidential exploratory committee that obviously tells people that he is seriously thinking about running. There are lots of factors that a potential candidate has to take into account before formally announcing uh, running for office. And running for the office of the President of the United States, that is a very, very big decision. There are so many things that one must consider. It's it, It's... It requires a lot of hard work. And so I guess Senator Tim Scott right now is in the process of making that decision, which is why he announced a presidential exploratory committee. So I'm guessing that in the weeks and months ahead, we will find out more information about what he really wants to do. So we just have to wait and see. Let me talk about former President Donald Trump. He announced that he is running for president and he just got a really big endorsement and this is in the news this is a major endorsement that president trump got and who did he get the endorsement from you may ask if you have not seen it already let me share with you that congressman jim jordan said that he is 100% for president trump congressman jim jordan is a very important figure in the United States House of Representatives. He's very influential, and he said that he's 100% for President Trump. That is a major endorsement. I think that is going to be a major boost for President Trump's campaign. 
and um, this it, this is a good news for President Trump. Now, another name that is being discussed almost every day is Ron DeSantis. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Is he going to be running for president? We don't know that. We don't know that. Obviously, he is a major figure in the Republican Party, uh, the governor of a major state, and he has done a lot of good work. And so now the question is, is he going to be focusing on Florida or is he going to be running for the office of the president? And that, once again, is a major decision. And uh, we don't know we don't know what um, what conclusion Ron DeSantis will arrive at. Is he is he going to run? Is he not going to run? We don't know. But reportedly. Governor DeSantis will be going to Iowa for a fundraiser next month. And many people are asking, is that an indication that he actually will end up running for the president? That some point in the near future, he's going to be announcing his candidacy. Is is that an indication, the fact that Governor DeSantis is going to Iowa for a fundraiser next month? Iowa, obviously, is a very important state and uh, a state that Many uh, potential candidates visit before they decide to run for president. And so let's just let's just wait and see. You know, there are more questions than answers at this point. There are lots of names uh, that uh, are being discussed, uh, potential candidates who may be running, but we don't know if they are going to be running or not. But we do know that former Ambassador Nikki Haley announced that she is running, Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson announced that he is running. So we already have some names on the Republican side. And obviously, there are some names on the Democratic side also. Um, uh, Marianne Williamson, author, she announced her candidacy from the Democratic side. And then Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he is also scheduled to officially make an announcement regarding his candidacy for the office of the president. And as I have said previously, uh, President Joe Biden still has not officially announced if he's going to be running for re-election. So lots of questions, not too many answers. But talking about the Republican side, uh, let me tell you, my friends, I have said this before, the more the merrier. I think Republicans ought to be very proud that we have such great candidates and potential candidates for the office of the president. I think it's very important to have a good contest. So if you think about 2015 and 2016, there were many candidates running. And after going through the entire process, we eventually had a Republican nominee. That was Donald Trump. And then he went on to become the president. So I think a good contest is always wonderful. But we must also ensure that Republicans as a whole remain united, that Republican voters remain committed to supporting the eventual nominee. I, I do know, I, and I recognize this, that uh, sometimes a primary contest can divide the public. Voters can get divided if there are uh, several candidates. And then eventually when there's a Republican nominee, it may be difficult to reunite everyone and some of the voters, some of the Republican voters out there may 
not be happy because their candidate did not become the eventual nominee. And so I think as Republican voters, uh, and I am a Republican voter, and I am a strong Republican conservative, so I'll say this. Us Republican voters, we must be committed. We must make a pledge that we will support the eventual Republican nominee for the office of the president. It is very important that we remain focused on November 2024 and we remain focused on making sure that we elect a Republican president in November 2024. We must focus on making sure that in January of 2025, a Republican, a newly elected Republican president can be sworn into office. So if you are a Republican like me, then let's focus on that. Let's uh, be committed to supporting whoever the eventual Republican nominee will be for the office of the president. My friends, let me tell you that the need for a Republican president is stronger than ever before. Right now, in this economy, under a Democrat president, under a Democrat administration, we have high inflation. Reportedly, inflation rose in March, but some are saying that inflation actually cooled because it rose by only 0.1%. But look at the bigger picture. People have been suffering for months. Savings have been depleted. The value of dollar diminished. Consumer confidence uh, has been negatively affected. Lots of financial damage has already happened in this economy. The economy, as some people are saying, may never be the same again unless, unless we get a Republican president who can turn this economy around and make this country, uh, make this economy a thriving economy once again. And so this is an urgent need. We need conservative policies, and therefore we need a Republican president who can implement strong, bold, conservative policies to make this economy, to fix the damage done to this economy and to fix all the problems that we have and to make this a thriving economy once again. Many Americans are reportedly planning to use their tax refunds to build savings in 2023. And I saw this in the news. I was just reading an article. And what, what is a tax refund? Let me ask you this. What is a tax refund? It is your money. It is your money. Money that you overpaid in taxes that you will now be getting back as a refund. I mean, that's a refund. It's your money. And so it's very sad that we are now in such an economic condition that people have to count on their own tax refunds to build savings. As I have said, many Americans, hardworking Americans, they exceeded their budget because of high inflation. They couldn't keep up with rising prices. And so they drew money from their savings. And now, Many Americans think that once they get their tax refunds, they will help, uh, they will use that money to replenish their savings. And that's the reality that we face in this economy right now. The sources of making money have shrunk. There are massive layoffs happening in this country, and people are worried about international tension. People are worried about global conflicts and how that may impact 
uh, economies across the world and people are worried about inflation and supply chain crisis. Employers are struggling and employees are struggling. And so, my friends, we need a Republican. We need a strong conservative Republican with bold ideas and uh, a person with the ability to make solid decisions. We need a strong Republican president to bring the economy back on track. Let me switch to um, a different topic, but still very relevant, still very important. Um, I would like to talk about the younger generation. When we talk about our future, when we talk about our future, the future of our state, the future of our country, we talk about the younger generation because the younger generation, the people in the younger generation, they are the future. They are the future doctors, the future astronauts, the future businessmen, the future elected leaders, the future electricians, the future plumbers, the future athletes. Just name a profession. And we need younger people. We need younger generation, people in the younger generation to work hard and to be successful and to have meaningful lives and to have productive lives and to contribute to our economy's success in the future. So when we talk about the future, we talk about the younger generation and the children and the teenagers now are the future of our country. And that's how the world runs. We look forward to seeing younger people growing up and becoming successful and helping our economy succeed. And it is very, very heartbreaking to see how teenagers get involved in criminal activities. That is just shocking. That is sad. And I saw something in the news that made me really sad, really sad. And let me share that with you. So earlier today, I saw in the news that hundreds of teenagers stormed the streets of downtown Chicago. Downtown Chicago, in the state of Illinois, hundreds of teenagers stormed the streets. They were smashing cars, attacking people, creating a havoc. And people were panicked. A lot of tourists in the area were panicked. Chicago, unfortunately, has become a city where lawlessness prevails. The leadership in Chicago is weak and ineffective. And I've talked about Chicago before, and I'm very disappointed seeing rising crime in Chicago. I, I, I love Chicago. I used to love going to Chicago, and I don't live far from Chicago. I live in Madison, Wisconsin. And so if I want to drive to Chicago, it'll take me, you know, give or take three hours, I guess. Depending on traffic, it may take longer. So Chicago is not that far. And it's, it's, uh, it's a great city. But unfortunately, the people of Chicago are suffering because of poor leadership. Because of poor leadership in Chicago. And that's why lawlessness prevails in that city. Now, I'm a strong supporter of law enforcement, and uh, this recent crisis that happened uh, with teenagers storming the streets of downtown Chicago, who were the folks who brought that situation under control? The people of law enforcement, the men and women of law enforcement, hundreds of police officers assisted by SWAT teams had to attempt to restore order in the city. 
I have such great respect for the men and women of law enforcement. And I've said that I've said that before, and I'll say it again. We need to support the men and women of law enforcement. So when this situation um, took place in Chicago, uh, teenagers storming the streets of downtown Chicago and smashing cars and destroying property and uh, scaring people, uh, the police officers helped restore order in the city. Unfortunately, people had to be taken to hospital for medical treatment as a result of uh, this chaos. And when I think about it, it's just shocking. These are teenagers. And how sad this is. Who are their parents? Why are such young people getting engaged in lawless activities? Where are their parents and their teachers? Share with me your thoughts, my friends. Share with me your thoughts. And, you know, I when, whenever I publish a podcast episode, I, I do expect that my listeners will reach out to me and share their views and comments. So please do that. Once again, check out my website, tossifanam.net, and um, stay connected with me. So whatever happened in Chicago, it was, it was very shocking. And it's very sad to see that young teenagers are, are getting involved in such lawless activities. Uh, my friends, let me just uh, emphasize again that the younger generation, they are the future of our country. So we have to make sure the young people get good education and they get good upbringing so that they can grow up and become um, community leaders and they can grow up and become productive individuals. So uh, whatever happened in Chicago, um, I, I won't um, elaborate on this any further, but it's, it's just very, very shocking. And that's all I'll say. Um, okay, let's, let, I, I mentioned teachers, right? I said, where are the parents? Where are the teachers? So talking about teachers, let me share with you some news about Boston Public Schools. Okay, now this is my next topic. Reportedly, dozens of Boston public school students were wrongly told that they were eligible to apply to exam schools. Over 40 students were told that they were not eligible, but they actually were eligible. And this is the result of Boston public schools miscalculating GPAs that are used to apply to exam schools. Now, how can a school miscalculate something as basic as GPA for about 70 students. What will students learn in school when a school administration cannot do simple math? This is the state of public education system in many cities in the United States. Many public schools are failing, and this is just an example that highlights such failure. Now, when you hear about such an error in a school system, you wonder, what are kids going to learn in these schools if the schools cannot do simple math? I am not going to blame all public schools because I don't make such outrageous uh, generalizations. But I have heard about a variety of public schools in different cities around the country that are just not providing the level of education and the level of services that, that people expect them to provide. 
And so public education is a very big topic, and I'm not going to go into the details of that in this episode, but it's a major public policy issue. And we have to see the performance of public schools and make sure that kids are getting good education. And I am a strong supporter of school choice. So in places where public schools are failing and they are not able to provide um, quality education, then parents should have the option to look at other schools that may be able to provide better education. Let me talk very briefly about standardized tests. Last year, I wrote a letter to the editor of a newspaper in support of standardized tests. So in my letter, I expressed my strong support for standardized tests. And I know that many people out there do not support standardized tests, but I believe that these tests are important in ensuring good educational standards. Many universities, sadly, are removing these testing requirements for admission but I think that removing these tests will hurt students' education. Obtaining education is not an easy process. Students must work very, very hard because what we learn in school, we apply in the real world. And the real world is challenging. It's full of competition. And students from an early age must learn to compete. Removing standardized testing requirements may make life very easy for students, but then it removing these requirements will not help them be prepared to compete out in the real world. And I mean in the professional world, where there's a lot of competition. Students are not going to be in school forever. Once they have completed their educational journey, they must go out and work in the real world. And the real world is full of competition. And so students from an early age, they must learn to compete. And so these standardized testing requirements are important to make sure that students are well prepared. So I support standardized tests, but I'm seeing that many universities are removing these testing requirements, which um, I believe is not a good decision. I think for the United States, to maintain their global leadership, our students must work hard, our students must be prepared, our students must go through tough exams, and they must learn to handle pressure because only then they will be able to work hard, help our country be strong, and help the United States continue to be a global leader. So with that, I will end this episode. As always, please share with me your thoughts and comments, and I really enjoy reading your messages, stay connected with me, and I hope to be back again with a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anam.